Welcome to Widening the Circle, the podcast of, well, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> and welcome to the podcast and video series, Widening the Circle, a Sacred Story. So you have two co-hosts. Um, I'm your host, Sky Williams Tao, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Jamili Omar. I use she, her pronouns. And in this episode, episode 11, we will be looking at the chapter in Winding the Circle of Concern, um, hospitality on hospitality and inclusion. And as our question, as like a focus for this chapter, we have the question, are we called to welcome? Again, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But first, I'm going to do a body practice and lighter challenge. So to do a body practice, I invite you to just take a breath and to arrive here and now, wherever here and now is for you. Um, and as part of that, to really tune into where are you right now? If you're you know, in your car, at your computer, in, in other spaces that are not in my imagination right now, but just where are you right now? And tuning into that and, and into your body, into who and how you are right now. And breathing in and out. And then just taking a couple seconds to tune back in with us as we light our chalice. And Jamilia will light our chalice as I read our chalice lighting. We return to love again and again and again. We value what is true. We honor holiness. We try and we grow and we fail and we rest and we try. We are here together now. We need one another. We covenant. Sky, our question is, are we called to welcome? Really? <laughs> and that this question, I think I'm I'm usually in charge of of coming up with our question, but this one was really a collaboration. You were the one who who um had our question and then who came up with that question. But um so you <laughs> um yeah, you want to say uh, a few words about where that was coming out of? Um it, I was I was wondering um, in this in this chapter I was hearkening back to our conversations on theology, and I was wondering where hospitality and inclusion are in our theology. Specifically, are they articulated through our covenants and our principles? Are they there? And I think when we were sort of discussing this question and picking it, I was also thinking about. Um, 
this question is fundamental to this chapter because I think if we answer yes, I think to the question, are we called to welcome? I think that sort of then calls us into some of the things that are discussed in this chapter. Like, I think if we, if we think this is central to our faith, if we think this is a theological commitment, then um, we actually are really called to take that seriously and to, to treat it as central to our faith. So are we? <laughs> Like, where do you see it grounded in? Where do you see yeah. this call to hospitality and inclusion? And, and this is a little bit along the lines of the conversation we had in our theology conversation, but I think it's slightly different because it's not just about, um, are we called to do anti-racism work outside of our walls, but are we called to welcome into, into our sacred spaces people who have different life experiences than is typically represented in a UU community, right? And in, in terms of our last conversation about, um, oh my gosh, community and, what is it? Community and people. Uh, congregations. Congregations and communities, whatever that last chapter like that. was. <laughs> um, right, like asking how the congregation and how individuals will change through this period, right? How will they change through this work or through this um, welcoming? Um, and are we called to that? Because I think we could read our principles as just saying, you know, inherent worth and dignity means everybody has inherent worth. They don't all need to be at my congregation, right? And um, free and responsible search for truth and meaning means you go and search for your truth over there and I'll search for mine over here which is how Sunday mornings in America is anyways, right? We, the most segregated time in American life is Sunday morning. Um, so where is it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you were talking, I was like, um, this is something that feels like a little bit lived theology to me that I'm just like, um, I mean, I, I am sure it is present, you know, like, like I'm sure we can have that. And to me, when I'm like, where is this call to welcome located? I'm like in my experience of Unitarian Universalism, like <laughs> deeply embedded in my experience of being nurtured by a congregation and feeling like that is a treasure that I should pass on. Deeply in my experience of youth community and and of being taken care of and nurtured by adult advisors who, you know, like cared to to welcome us to welcome who we were to um, I've been thinking about this phrase like for for a whole thing, but like who, who like loved us into being um, and took that charge seriously. Um, and like, and so I feel a call and an, like an obligation or a responsibility. And I don't mean those things necessarily. Like, I think people can hear those as negative words. I don't mean them that way. Like, I think like in this, okay. So, uh, uh, my ministerial mentor in Syracuse said this thing to me about ministry. He was like, ministry can feel like a heavy weight, um, on your shoulders. But what that is, is like the hands of everybody behind you resting on your shoulders. Um, 
which I think about in this case, right? When I think about responsibility, that is a heavy weight, right? I actually think that is a serious call. Um, and what it is for me is knowing that people did that for me, knowing and knowing that that is, and that being so central to my sense of Unitarian Universalism. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and my perspective is a come inner. Um, you know, 20 some years ago, I, I entered my first UU congregation and didn't feel welcome. I didn't feel like it was going to be a place for me, although they said all the right things. The, um, and the sermons, oh my gosh, I was on fire with the sermons. And, um, and that's what I came for, because I didn't feel welcome to come early and socialize, and I didn't feel welcome to stay late and socialize, and I certainly didn't feel welcome to participate in the stuff that happened around Sunday morning. Um, but the sermons really snagged me. That was where I got, I felt the first tug. Um, and, and for me, as a come inner, it's the, it's almost, it's, I, I want to say proclaiming the good news, right? Mm -hmm. That, that we have, um, this history uh, between universalism and Unitarianism, um, we have a we have a theology that goes back a long time that speaks of not drawing walls around anyone. There is no one, and and this is the the universalism, right? The universal salvation is there is no one who cannot belong to the kingdom of God which we now have, a, have under, come to understood and transformed as this beloved community. And if we're not a theology that says this beloved community is gonna happen after we die, we need to make it here, then there's no one that can't belong to Unitarian Universalism here and now. And we are actively preventing that by our stuckness in white supremacy culture, we're actively preventing the full uh, realization of the beloved community here on earth, right? And that for me comes directly out of this universal salvation that we've inherited and modified over time, um, but it's there. And if we're saying what we're working for is beloved community, that doesn't mean beloved community everywhere except our churches, which we want to stay small and narrow. It means everywhere, and that means welcoming to everyone who chooses to come in our doors. Yeah, it takes me to a couple different places. Um, hearing you say that, and I love, I, I want to start actually, just I love that theological grounding for us actually, that beloved community I think is a really central theological idea for us in modern Unitarian Versalism. Um, and so the idea that to not welcome people is, is 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 not just like is actively preventing our own theological goal it like actually is like sabotaging our own like the central reason and central calling or a central calling for us in this world um yeah um so if you're watching on video you'll know that <laughs> Uh, my daughter Amira just joined us for this yeah. conversation. So we are welcoming. 
<laughs> and I think, you know, yeah. and, and this might be slightly tangential, but in my work as um, a religious educator, the, the welcome is not just racial, mm. right? The welcome is that, that cliff mm. that happens when our young adults are so engaged, when our, our youth are so engaged up until they're 18 and then they bridge and this is their church and this is their home. And then there's this cliff and the, the young adults, that transition between um, youth worship and adult worship, it doesn't fit anymore. And it breaks my heart because I see our young adults um, and, and a lot of it is natural exploring and going and exploring other, who they are and what they're doing and they're leaving. A lot of folks are leaving home and I understand a lot of it. And I know that we miss that mark. We, we, there is a, a cliff where we just lose people um, in that age. Some of them come back, some don't, um, but it, it breaks my heart to know that I have young adults I've launched into the world that don't participate in, universe, in Unitarian Universalism anymore because they don't feel welcome. They don't feel like this is a place for them. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> it, it just brings up for me like a grief I feel and I think it's some processing around, but like mm -hmm. around, uh, yeah, I mean like nobody, uh, like, I mean, I expect to be the youngest congregations in most, like the, the uh, we're youngest person in most congregations I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. um, except for like, there's sort of the religious education program. And then, you know, like sometimes there are a few folks who are younger than me, but like that there's, um, Yeah, like, like, I mean, I, you know, I think about like, in, in terms of this concept of welcome, right? I mean, I think there are generational differences um, around how we talk about things, but also around things like music, right? I mean, like, around um, things like what our expectations are around, I mean, this comes through in the report around what our expectations are around multicultural competency in our mm -hmm. congregations and competency around gender and sexuality and like all sorts of a range of oppressions. Like, I think one thing that I think is interesting that I've, I, I don't remember in this chapter specifically, but in this report talks about like that our, our younger folks are generally more equipped to do this work <laughs> um, and we're losing them. It honestly, probably in part because of that, because um, again, I forget if it was in this chapter, I have a feeling it was in the previous chapter, but this, this thing that when you walk into a congregation and you see somebody else experiencing a mm -hmm. microaggression, um, even if it's not somebody of the same identity as you, if you see that aggression happen and then nobody does anything about it, I think, you know, you are less likely to continue to feel welcome and comfortable in that congregation. Yeah. 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 And the report firmly points out that when a congregation is less hospitable to one marginalized identity, they're less hospitable to the intersections of that person's other identities. So mm -hmm. if we're inhospitable to people um, who are experiencing poverty, we're less hospitable to black indigenous people of color, to women, um, to trans transgender folks, to people without transportation. Like there's a whole list of intersectioning identities that then we're not hospitable to. So we lose a whole, whole population. Which I think, um, 
speaks to me like one of the things in this chapter um i think this chapter has some like really strong language it's actually one of the chapters that has a couple quotes that i go to when i'm like you know what is winding circle <laughs> like let's do our basic overview but i think about in their first on page 57 on the first very first part of the chapter they have the work again the first sort of line of the chapter is our work concludes that unitarian universalists continue to repel many of the people who would otherwise provide the resources to fuel our continued growth um and then in then there's the piece that you were just saying on this note we stress that when we are inhospitable to one group, for example, Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color, others who experience marginalization notice and our sacred spaces become unwelcoming for them as well. Mm -hmm. I also like wanna lift up the other quote that sort of comes up for me in this chapter is on page 61, um, sort of after the, the piece, there's okay, page 61 in the, the print version. Um, in a time in which fewer and fewer people believe that it is important to be part of any kind of religious community, it should be heartbreaking to us that all, to us all, that people who need our saving message, who are sure that our values could help transform their lives, are trying to be part of us and yet cannot exist within our communities because we lack basic skills in welcoming the personhood and gifts of all people. Ouch. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking about it with this idea of welcome too. I think there is like, like I, I've had sort of conversations around evangelism and people being uncomfortable with evangelism. I think in part, because honestly, I think there's, and we see in the world, right? That there are some particularly Christian although not exclusively Christian ways of doing evangelism that just feel gross and like really coercive and like not recognizing people's humanity. But I also think that in evangelism, like sharing the idea of sharing the good news. If you like truly believe our faith is a saving force for lives, if you truly believe people can save their lives in their our faith, like I'm not saying, you know, you know, like you need to proselytize to anybody or anything, but like, like why would you then prevent barriers for people yeah. like accessing things that could help transform and save their lives? Mm -hmm. Like that, that feel, that's sort of what like the theological idea of like preventing the beloved community, right? I mean, I think deep in Unitarian Universalism, this idea of growth and of, you know, like affirming people's divinity or affirming people's like beauty. And like, why would you prevent a place that can help love people into being, that can help people flourish? Like, it, like yeah, I think I said the yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I'm deeply resonating with that, that, that this quote, we lack basic skills in welcoming the personhood and gifts of all people that by these barriers that we put up, we're not just saying we don't want, we don't, we, we don't affirm you. We don't affirm that you have gifts that we could benefit from, that, that our community could benefit from. Um, and that, that does feel contrary to the principle of inherent worth and dignity, that by keeping that separate, I'm saying, you, you don't have personhood and gifts that I can value. Hmm. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, enjoying watching Amira sort of the very top of her head yeah. and like a little pop up. Pop. <laughs> um, can we, can we from 61, can we go to 63? 
Yes. Um, because I, I felt like this call out box, this is where the recommendations start. Um, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of the recommendations are about um, how a congregation can congregations can offer this kind of support and some of it's monetary and some of it is um, you know just the welcoming of it. Um, but I really wanted to look at the call out box an invitation to conversations for liberation because um, I felt that was really a significant a significant point and the part that I found really um, kind of stimulated the controversy part of my brain was on page 63 where it says, we reaffirm that we must lead from the covenant of care that binds us. And so as we're asking this question of, are we called to welcome? Um, this part, part of the document clearly says, we have a covenant of care that binds us together. And, and so could we just kind of take that apart is like, what do we mean by and where do we find this covenant of care? Let me hold that because I do want to say before opening that up, it's just like um, conversation for liberation is like a thing that the Commission on Institutional Change did. Like I'm pretty sure I I, uh, um, I did not participate in them. I have not either facilitated or been a participant, but I'm pretty sure there exists like a discussion guide um, I'll try and drop a link in, in the description for this episode around it, but um, yeah, I did just want to mention that um, because we're talking about this pop little section. Um, but yeah, covenant of care. Um, and that binds us. I mean, I think, I, you know, reading that again right now, it reminded me of uh, one of the quotes that I think uh, early in the chapter that religion it, or maybe it's earlier, I have no idea where it is in this book, that religion is derived from the word ligament and it's what um, holds muscle to the bone. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, like, it, it, religion is about the things that bind us in the way that um, ligament holds muscle to bone. So I would say that this, that sentence is saying that covenants of care are one of the things that are binding in that in that sense that bind us as religious people as unitarian universalists um in that yeah in that way and i think their next paragraph um gets at what i was trying to say earlier that we must hold each other in love and kindness including when we do not agree and then later down, Unitarian Universalism is no place for name calling, dismissal, gaslighting, or arguments that undermine and erase. And so in our in our in our covenant, we've agreed that all all persons have dignity and worth. And so any arguments that undermine and relate uh, erase are contrary to that covenantal agreement. So I think this this paragraph here really gets at at that idea of why we are in fact called to welcome. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just reading the, the, the rest of that quote of with humility, we must affirm one another's humanity, even in times of frustration, heartbreak, and trauma. Together, we must dig deeper to advance our shared aspiration towards a unitarian versalism that practices the liberating values of our theology. Hmm. Um, Yeah, and just this whole 
piece, I think, about covenant. Um, I think really asking us to uh, hold the question of what it means to care for one another. And like the question, like I'm thinking my brain, what my brain is doing right now is that like, you know, this I've had this conversation before, but that in school, we don't actually learn some of the relationship skills and you actually can learn relationship skills, right? Um, they're just not always taught super explicitly, I would say. But like that there actually is a call to, to A, I mean, learn basic relationship skills, um, but then also to this deeper thing of, um, you know, practicing not just, you know, can you like be sort of sociable and share and like, but like, can you um, care for another person and, and set boundaries? I mean, I also want to be like, one thing that brings up for me is that like, I, I don't think that this is an invitation to people who just want to sort of start things or always have it their own way. Um, but actually, how do you set loving boundaries around like, and you know, and, and not to like act like that's easy. Like, I don't, I don't, I also don't mean to do that. Um, yeah, those are sort of brain thoughts that I have about it. And, and you said, you said before, I think it was in a different episode that we actually have the mechanisms for learning how to do that through our covenants mm -hmm. and through, if we were to use our covenants well, and not as bludgeons, um, but actually as ways to call each other into accountability, we actually have the tool for it. We, we can use our covenants to say this behavior, and I mean that word very specifically, this behavior was not in line with our values. Let's work on this behavior. And in that way, affirm our relationships and how we relate to each other. Learn how to do it differently and make it explicit. I think, so. I think, I think a part of welcome is we, who are in church life assume that everybody is gonna to come to church life knowing what the hidden rules are. Mm. And we don't always make those explicit. And I feel like a part of welcome is saying, th these are our expectations. This is what church like life is like here. This is what we do when we're in relation with each other. And we can do that, we do that through our covenants, right? This is our covenant. This is how we agree to behave with each other. Um, doesn't say and and the free and responsible search for truth and meaning means that we should be continually exploring for other healthier stable affirming life-giving ways to relate that aren't just stuck in who we've always been so we have a call to growth and a call to change just a minute um Yeah, and I think about the ways in which that also being multicultural helps us, you know, like truly multicultural. It's not just we sort of have a dominant culture that you need to assimilate to, but it's really sort of like um, drawing in resources from multiple cultures actually help us have a richer and more like, you know, like sort of broad understanding and like, again, resources to draw from. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Is there anything else in this chapter you want to add? It was a short one. Yeah. Um, I think just that, like, at the heart of this chapter, I think that, you know, we've talked a lot about the theology. And I think, to me, at the heart of this chapter is also, I mean, this is true throughout the report, but mm -hmm. I think one of the places this finds a home is in this chapter is like, you know, this idea that we're doing this because people are getting hurt. <laughs> That people are coming in to our churches just being like oh no like and walking out and mm -hmm. that you know that sucks mm -hmm. like I, like that sucks mm -hmm. yeah i had an experience um, very recently where um a woman self-identified as multiracial uh african-american native american and some other parts of her that she disclosed to me um, and came in, saw us online, has seen, has been watching our congregations, bless you, has been watching our congregations uh, online through the pandemic and saw that we were open and came and stopped by and asked me directly, um, would I be welcome here? And how do I answer that? You know, the, the best answer that I could give her is that we try. We know you'll experience racial microaggressions and maybe outright aggressions and we're trying and here's how we're trying. Mm. Here's the steps that we're doing. Um, and I think that was for her and not for all of us, clearly not for all of us, but for her, uh, that was a good place to start. When I said, we're out, this is what we're doing. And this, I think this is why the call to action is so important in this podcast for us that we, we don't want to just be talking about the thing. We want to be out there doing the thing and encouraging the listeners and watchers to be doing the thing too. And it doesn't have to be big, huge things, but doing the next thing um, over time will change our culture. And so I can say to the next person, you know, I always say, God willing in the creek don't rise. I can say to the next person who's like her that comes in and says, will I be welcome here? I hope one day I can say yes. Un un um apologetically yes you will be welcomed here um so i really i, I pray for that day hmm. okay so our action um this is a very short chapter um and so we want to invite you uh as your next step in learning is to take a look at the concept of preemptive radical inclusion C.B. Beale, one of our uh, national leaders, amazing, amazing person, if you don't know their work, go find out, um, did a video for us on the UU Leader Lab. And Reverend Skye, you're going to post it in the uh, chat or in the um, links. Um, there's a link to uua.org forward slash leader lab forward slash preemptive. Uh, it's a really great video. It's short. It's about four minutes long um, to kind of get this concept of preemptive radical inclusion that we build a wheelchair, we build a ramp before we have a person in a wheelchair who needs the ramp so that we're, we're building up these skills um, that will welcome people as they come in. So go in peace, go in power, go do good in the world and go knowing you are deeply loved. At the end of the podcast, we'd like to say a few thank yous. 
Thank you to Unitarian Universalist Justice Arizona, or UU Jazz, especially to Janine Gelsinger and Phoebe Dubich. And thank you all for being with us. Remember that you can contact us at uusacredstory at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.